and welcome to our first episode of Biome Sweet Biome. My name is Brittany Dodge and I will be your host as we discuss native flora and fauna to the southeastern United States, particularly the low country in coastal Georgia where I work as a naturalist. Today's episode is Backyard Habitat Basics. I'll cover topics like what is a habitat, or a biome for that matter, why is habitat loss devastating locally, and what can we do to help in our own backyard? I'll give a list of native pollinator plants, and I'll answer your backyard bat question. So first, you may be wondering what even is a biome anyway? A biome is a large geographic area that contains distinct plants and animal groups, which are adapted to live specifically in that environment. Let's break it down this way. A bunch of habitats, like a cluster of pine trees and shrubs, make up an ecosystem, like a piney wood forest. Several ecosystems then make up a biome, like a subtropical forest. And there are multiple different biomes and different ways to describe the same biomes, but basically Georgia, Florida, and the Carolinas are in a temperate forest biome. So why have these classifications to begin with? They help ecologists look at the big picture and not just focus on habitat by habitat issues. They can also help us break down information about given species behaviors and basic needs since animals that live in the same area tend to have similar adaptations around a similar problem like availability of water or temperature. And learning about where an animal lives uh, tells us a lot about them. Which leads us to our next topic which is about habitat loss and how we can help mitigate it on a smaller scale. Habitat loss is probably the number one issue facing wildlife today. Whether it is about climate issues, deforestation, human disturbance, or other issues, habitat loss, particularly during nesting seasons, or to threatened and vulnerable species, allows the rapid decline of a multitude of species unnaturally. And without these specific housing requirements that many species need to breed, um, or like in the case of many native plants, um, they die off or are strangled out by invasive species. They just can't rebound and can't uh, recuperate enough to help their species survive. And this may sound like an issue that is foreign to the U.S. Uh, it sounds like something just occurs in some Amazonian rainforest or African jungle, but nearly 10% of our 4,000 species of native plants and animals that are on the brink of extinction here in Georgia. That's 400 species of native flora and fauna that have suffered in our own state due chiefly to habitat loss. There is a lot to be done if we want to save these endangered and threatened species, and it can seem overwhelming for the average person. And I'll discuss this more uh, probably throughout this podcast as conservation is near and dear to my heart. But today I want to focus on one of the easiest things that you can do right in your own backyard. Properly placed next nesting boxes are a great way to assist affected wildlife um, while also learning about them. It's fun activity and it's very rewarding for all ages to watch a mama bird raise her young or see a family of bugs fly away after a stay in your bug hotel for the night. Um, they're nesting boxes for wood ducks, kestrels, owls, bats, bluebirds, chickadees, wrens, purple martins, bees, butterflies, beetles, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, you name it, they make a box for it. So uh, it really just depends on um, where they nest. If they are cavity nesters, then you can probably provide a habitat for them. 
Uh, but why, you might ask? These animals are cavity nesters, so they typically would be nesting in dead trees. Dead trees are unfortunately one of the first things removed when people come to our property. If you have any acreage and are allowed by your neighborhood ordinances, leaving dead trees on your property benefits your backyard ecosystem immensely. Nesting boxes are the next best thing and require minimal space in some cases. All these boxes can either be purchased online or in some uh, instances at your local hardware store or you can find specific plants uh, online to build your own. Just know that specific species have specific requirements, um, whether it be size or placement, and many won't use those boxes unless those requirements are met. Um, you really have to research it. I don't suggest just going and buying a box and just placing it willy-nilly. Um, it's really good to at least do a Google search and find requirements for your box, both uh, for size and for um, the placement and if it needs to be near water, etc., etc. Um, and like I said, I, I could go through all of those, but as, as I listed before, there are literally um, hundreds of different boxes that you can get based off of your own area. Uh, but it's a good, good thing to look up uh, and do a Google search on. Um, providing shelter is a key component in habitat mitigation, but water is another and can be easier for the average homeowner to encourage uh, in their yard. Consider adding a water feature or even a small butterfly bath or bird bath in your yard if you don't live near water. Uh, just remember you have to clean it often or mosquito larvae can be an issue in standing water and no one wants uh, a bunch of mosquitoes in their backyard. Um, so don't mind wildlife, but don't want them in your entire backyard. Uh, maybe you should consider sectioning off a small piece of your side yard or the border of your yard as a naturalized zone. You can even do something as simple as not rake your leaves to help wildlife. This gives insects and amphibians a place to bury down in the winter away from you, and it also creates a food chain. Um, the insects will then provide food for the birds and other animals that can come and visit your yard. You can plant for wildlife too, especially if you have your own garden. Plant a small garden of fruits and vegetables away from your own to give wildlife like cottontail and deer something to eat while you put distractors such as misters or monitor um, motion sensor lights on your own garden to reinforce that what's yours is yours and most of the time the animals will choose the easy pickings and leave your own garden alone. Planting a pollinator garden not only helps pollinators in need, like monarch butterflies and bees, but also helps you. Pollinators re reduce the amount of effort you have to spend making your plants healthy and fertile. Plus, without pollinators, we wouldn't have crops, so keep the pollinator plants coming. The specific plants to ask for in our area of the low country include spotted bee balm, passion fruit vine, or maypops as sometimes they're referred to around here, Scarlet Sage, Swamp Milkweed, Georgia Aster or Climbing Aster, Purple Coneflower, Cosmos, Black-Eyed Susans, Goldenrod, which comes in several different varieties, Swamp Sunflower, and again, uh, there's several different varieties of Helianthus or Sunflowers, but Swamp Sunflower is one of my favorites. Uh, verbena Species, any of the Verbena Species, Blazing Star, Red native honeysuckle, and that one's really important. If you're gonna get honeysuckle, get red native honeysuckle. Um, Japanese honeysuckle is an invasive. 
and uh, things like clematis and other um, plants. There's The list goes on and on, but this variety uh, all grow very well in this area and will attract uh, year-round pollinators like bees, butterflies, and hummingbirds. So our first question comes in time for Bat Appreciation Month, which is, of course, October. Um, Alex H. asks, how do I attract bats to my yard? I heard they eat mosquitoes, and I got a single-chamber bat box from Audubon, but I haven't had any bats in it yet. Well, Alex, uh, you heard correctly. One single brown bat can eat 1,000 mosquitoes in a night. Bats are responsible for 2.2, uh, or excuse me, 22.9 billion a year in pest control for U.S. crops. That's that's a lot of money. Um, they're impressive powerhouses when it comes to natural uh, pest control, and Georgia is home to 16 species of bats. But unfortunately, half have experienced serious and significant population loss and are listed as endangered or threatened particularly due to habitat loss, but also in North Georgia due to white nose syndrome, a fungal disease that has recently uh, threatened cave-dwelling species near extinction. With this, plus scares over rabies, uh, bats have had kind of a tough break lately. Uh, less than 1% of bats have rabies, by the way, so attracting them to your yard is not hazardous for yourself or your family. It's kind of a, got a, they got a bad rap about it, but you're more likely to get it from a dog or cat. And although large amounts of guano or bat droppings can be, to can be toxic, uh, so can chicken poop. So um, the, don't let droppings of any animal accumulate is more the point of the story than being terrified of bats unfoundling. We don't have any vampiric or fruit-eating, for that matter, bats in Georgia or South Carolina. And no North American bat has shown to spread COVID. That being said, back to Alex's question, most of our bats around here are cavity nesters, not cave-dwelling bats. So typically they're not in huge family clusters like you see living in caves, but they still travel in groups together. Your bat uh, box may not be working for several reasons, so we'll go through those. And if it's not one of these reasons, I'll still give you other options for attracting them with or without a box. Bat boxes can be very specific as bats can be very picky about uh, placement requirements. You need them to be at least 20 feet in the air. Some places say building placement is okay, but as I said earlier, uh, guano buildup can be A, gross, and B, potentially problematic. So you should try and place it on a tall pine, preferably without a lot of limbs, um, or on a freestanding pole. It should be near water as they need water frequently like all mammals. Um, they also need the box facing six to eight hours of direct sunlight during the day since they like to be warm while they sleep in their tight cavities. And since you said you got a single chamber box from uh, Audubon, I don't think that it's a box issue. Audubon makes good quality um, nesting boxes. Uh, so typically um, I would say it might be a box issue, but not with Audubon. Um, but it's always good to check and make sure that it's a tight, tightly sealed um, and since they like tight warm spaces and that there's no area that they could um, be having drafts coming in. Um, and also, you know, good to just take out your ruler and check and make sure that the measurements are correct. Uh, there's also good to check there's no offending scent. Um, mammals particularly are um, very sensitive to scent. Some people like to get pre-scented back boxes that have bat pheromones or use an attracting pheromone spray. 
I've personally never used those, so I can't attest to those working. I think it's uh, more important to have good location, good placement, and patience, and that's usually all you need. Now, sometimes, all that being said, it can take a few years before you see signs of bats using a box, you know, like guano or bats entering and exiting. Uh, we mostly see winter migrants in my immediate area, so not as many nesting situations as, say, the barrier islands. You mostly get passerby that come through. Uh, the big five for coastal Georgia and South Carolina are the evening bat, the big brown bat, the seminole or red bat, the little brown bat, and the tricolored bat. In the meantime, while you wait to see uh, one of those guys uh, grace your box entrances, and anyone who doesn't want a bat box but wants bats or someone who uh, lives in an apartment who might have a planter box or two but doesn't have a yard necessarily, uh, you can plant a bat garden. Um, these are very similar to pollinator gardens. Mine is in the same planter box as my pollinator garden. They attract insects that bats like to eat, like moths and beetles. But don't worry, the bats don't eat the pollinators. They typically are already gone by the time the bats come out at dusk. These plants will attract insects that will then bring the bats in after them, who then may find your bat box and rid you of a few thousand mosquitoes in rent. Uh, the fall plants to, to attract bats include verbena, evening primrose, mallows, and asters. Reducing artificial lighting at night will also help draw them in. If you would like a complete list of plants to plant for your area and also a cool Save the Sky Puppy sticker, you can go to gabats.org for more information. And to submit your own questions or to suggest topics or for uh, more information on any uh, information that we covered in this episode, just email me at naturalist at fordplantation.com. I hope you took away some useful info and thanks for listening to Biosweet Biome.